Top 10 Thursdays, ladies and gentlemen. Back with a vengeance after a week off with what is sure to be an epic podcast for your entertainment. We're talking about sci-fi movies, our favorites. I'm your host, John Lemmy. This is John Otney. Colin Westman. Matt Carson. Sci-fi movies, guys. We're living in a good sci-fi time. Because the Avengers is out of, like a month ago. <laughs> no, it's too loud. Uh, Men in Black a couple weeks ago. Prometheus this week. The sequel, prequel, maybe, to Alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah! I'm excited, too. I don't know if I'm as excited as you are. I'm looking forward to talking about all our favorite sci-fi films. I went back and watched the uh, original trailer for Alien, and totally is is, is pretty similar to uh, the Prometheus. I'm not gonna say totally, pretty similar to the Prometheus trailer. It's got the same. Totally pretty similar. Similar. It's got the same, you know, alarm sound effect, which is pretty cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah, it does. Also coined the great tagline in space: "No one can hear you scream." Isn't that a great tagline? There'd be a list. Greatest taglines or, or something. That's a cool one. That involves way too much research. <laughs> <laughs> Every single movie. We don't like actual work on uh, this podcast. No. We no. do uh, greatest movie taglines of the 1970s. Maybe. There you go. So sci-fi, kind of a tricky genre to define. Well, most genres are actually pretty tricky when... You really get down to it, um, but I mean, we got a lot of films on here with fantasy elements. Some set in the future, some set in the past. Uh, Do you guys have any guiding rules when you added films to the list? Mm, not really. Just I tried to keep it simple. Just the the first movies that kind of came to mind that had futuristic type stuff in them. So that's and what you're looking for. Yeah. It's futuristic type stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how else, else to put it. I mean, science fiction. Yeah, it's g- basically just is science that is like fictional. So I mean, what else is there to say? I don't know. I'm sure we'll figure out in a little bit as we get into our list. Um, this very first film is actually set in the past, technically, but it feels like the future. 2001: A Space Odyssey. Uh, one of my favorite movies ever made, to be honest. I feel like it's kind of a divisive one. Be dishonest. Be dishonest. Sure. Okay, if I'm dishonest, I hate it so much. Because <laughs> uh, so slow, right? I, oh god! It's like what the fuck is going on? Like it's monkeys and then yeah, it's it's monkeys. And it's like monkeys for like so long. It's just, yeah. The spaceship's like trying to dog. It takes forever. And then guy's all old. How do you get so old? <laughs> he was young like five minutes ago. Let's, let's not do this let's not. thing that we're doing. <laughs> well, I mean, first off, it just looks amazing. It's really like, it boggles the mind to think that a film like like that could be made in that time period, 1968, I want to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it really literally looks like it was filmed in space. 
Like there's nothing before that, and I guess really nothing after that. Right, Star Wars it would be the next thing, and that's yeah. not the same. Oh, I guess after that, yeah. I mean, but it's still it is it, you know it is different. Um, but yeah, I, I felt pretty fortunate to get to see this at the Cinerama in the year two thousand one. Uh, that was really amazing. I feel like that 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 particular edition or that cut was that was the first time they ever showed it too, so it was a big deal. Uh, well, just in that format. I mean, it wasn't like any new edits, but it was it was really amazing, especially to see that whole trippy like thirty minute sequence on a big screen. Yeah, that that's something that probably doesn't play as well if you're watching it on your tiny little TV on VHS, which is the first time I saw the movie. Uh, on VHS? Yeah. Does that take two tapes? I don't think so. It's not that long of a movie. It does have an intermission, though. Yeah. Kind of weird. I guess we should say, if, if you haven't seen 2001 yet, it's a movie... Uh, it's kind of hard to say exactly <laughs> what it's about. I guess it's about uh, the influence of technology on mankind, starting uh, with the very beginning with these... I don't know, ape men... Of just like historic days, kind of just like the pre, like you said the, of, of technology, but the progression and evolution of man alongside technology, like from ape to space baby, like space the, baby. the progression. Of, Spoiler of, alert: <laughs> Space baby. Space baby. You'll have to watch the movie to see what that uh, to what that means exactly. I don't even know that I know what that means. It's pretty hard to understand. I've always really wanted to read the novelization that Arthur C. Clarke uh, wrote for this. Like, I wonder what that's like when you read the book. <laughs> Especially, like, the last 45 minutes. <laughs> if I can remember right, the, the, the novelization, that was... Okay, so it was based off a, a short story, right? Arthur C. Clarke wrote The Sentinel? Um, I'm not really sure. Are sure? I think he wrote a short story, and then him and Kubrick developed it into a movie, and then later on he wrote, like, a, a movie version. Like, uh, the, the novelization. Like, I want to say that's how, how it happened, but... I mean, that could be all bullshit. I mean, it's a film that's almost completely yeah, yeah. Here told, it is, the Sentinel. Told I, I assume it was mostly about the. Um, I don't know. Maybe the was it about the monolith? I feel like that's probably the big thing in the movie. I mean, that's the recurring theme. I think that monolith thing. When that is present, I don't know if I would want to read a book of that movie though, because that's kind of the fun thing about it is you can put so many interpretations on it. Because there's so much like just crazy visual symbolism throughout the film. I feel like words words can't really sum up 2001. Give it justice, really. Well, that's, <laughs> that's uh, why we haven't done it very well so far. <laughs> it's it's a hard movie to describe. It is. It's it's a very visual experience. I mean, really, the only story kind of portion is probably the part with the, how the robot ship and him and dave and that other guy and kind of that whole thing see i'm not I can't even think yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's it's trippy it's real beautiful yeah it's it's this it's, it's weird because it's kind of stands against what i believe because I, I i believe in the benefits of technology and this is a movie about you know the very first thing we ever did our first tool is something to kill other people, and then uh, there's that beautiful shot where they throw it in the air, and then it, and there's kind of a spaceship that kind of looks like the bone, and it's docking. And it's, 
it's awesome, but then you know it's just really about technology turning against us and maybe at the end there's some hope that if we break from technology we can I don't know start all over again it's yeah like like Colin said it's it's really hard to talk about uh but it's just one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen it's uh when I watched Hugo last year and they talked about how magical and how dreamlike movies can be the, the movie I think of is 2001 for me that's that's about the only movie I can think of that gives me that experience. Wow. Well, I think, I think it's going to be on the list. Um, all right. How about one that probably won't be on the list because half of us haven't seen it yet. It, it's Akira, a Japanese animated film. Um, I think it was based on a comic book. I can't. I can't. I know it, was. There is a, it was based off of a, uh, of a of a series. Was that before? That was before. That was before. Okay. I don't know. I haven't read it, uh, but I have seen the movie a couple times, and it's just one of the most gorgeously animated movies you'll ever see. There's there's so much on every single frame of this movie. So many layers. Uh, the animation's so fluid. It, it looks really great. Uh, it's Unlike anything you would see in in an American animated film, because we just animation for adults hasn't really existed as a as a thing here uh, ever. I mean, I guess you've got like Wizards, maybe the Lord of the Rings animated movie from a while ago. That's uh, the best. That's that. That's the best we got, Ralph Bakshi. <laughs> yeah, I. Those movies are like the animation's so shitty. Yeah, they are. I guess it is like the same time period. I would probably go. I mean, it's not really the same because he's on dramatic, but Disney's probably our answer to animation. Yeah, but yeah. we never we didn't really have any good serious animation. I'm not even sure if we do now. Yeah, all we got now is like Adult Swim, <laughs> Archer on. I don't face. know if that's all we got. <laughs> what what Adult Swim shows are serious? I thought we were talking about serious. Never mind. <laughs> I don't why, know. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the movie? Well, it's kind of tricky. Um, it's, it's a fairly convoluted plot, like a lot of Japanese cinema. Uh, but it's it's in the future, in uh, Tokyo or like Neo Tokyo or something. And uh, there's this biker gang of high school kids who get caught up in some trouble, and one of the kids gets experimented on, and he gets psychic powers, and he kind of destroys everything. It's pretty trippy. It's a real downer. It is. It's pretty depressing. Uh, just because so many horrible things happen. Uh, I mean, this is an animated film with like attempted rape and people getting crushed to death. It's really not like anything I'd seen before. Uh, and then I, I did see more Japanese anime films later on in life. That are pretty dark as well, but uh, Akira kind of stands alone as this amazing example of animated storytelling, and it's uh, probably something you guys should see since um, I think just John and I have seen it. It's in my Netflix queue. Oh, great! I'm trying to bone up on anime films eventually. Bone up. That's a phrase people use. Bone up. Bone up. Oh, never heard no. that before. Bone hasn't always meant a sexual thing. Bone up. That's yeah, why we were talking about that's how like, 
<laughs> you used to pull a boater and stuff. Mm. Like I used to be an expression. Yeah, there's a lot of utility to the word bone. <laughs> it, ain't a, it ain't a joke. It's really handy. <laughs> but, I mean, back to Akira, I haven't seen it since that one, the first time I watched it with you, Sean. That was like in seventh grade. I have. It's really good. Yeah, well, I, yeah you said, I, I noticed that. But you, you said you had, but, uh, I mean, I just don't remember it, so I can't really. Uh, I remember it being really disturbing, and I was like, this is so gross. And this is like, like the, how like that one character, Tetsuo, he just turns into this giant blob like monster. They parodied that on uh, South Park, the mm-hmm. Trapper Keeper episode. Carpenter turns into Dawson's Creek Trapper Keeper turns into this giant blob <laughs> monster. That's good. So if you want to appreciate that episode of South Park more, you should check out Akira. Or if you just want to appreciate cinema in general, you should probably see uh, what a lot of people say is the greatest anime film ever made. I'm just saying. I don't know. I guess if you barely remember it and the other two haven't even seen it, I guess it, it's bumped. But uh, I'm, glad it's, I'm glad to bring it up. It's a cool movie. The hell of a thing. It definitely will leave an impact on you one way or another. How about mm-hmm. Alien? Alien. That's another that's a pretty unique looking film. I mean with the uh just the way that the ship looks in that movie. I mean the artwork of HR Geiger, the German artist. To me it just gives space. a super like these people are working. This is their job. They don't like it. You know, it's like a factory. I don't know, but the planet looks so weird. It's almost like gothic yeah. science fiction. I just mean like the ship. The ship to me like like really sets the tone for the movie. Like no one wants to be everyone's trying to get home, you know, like this is the equivalent of working in a, you know, coal mill. Yeah. Cause, well they they were so the crew of the Nostroma, they're transporting minerals or ore or something. And then they get some sort of signal to this weird kind of planet. And they go there and they find these like eggs and there's creepy aliens and it's pretty simple on plot actually. So did why did they go? Atmosphere. Was it they had to go? Um Ash, Ash told them they had to go. It was in their contract. They had to go down to the planet because there was a distress signal. And they go down there and John Hurt gets trapped by his creepy face hugger thing and that leads to one of the most iconic scenes probably in in science fiction or just movies in general. So why is Alien but not Aliens on this list? I prefer Alien to Aliens. So do I. Yeah, we watched them so do I, back to back. And <laughs> I'm just curious. I, I feel like people really like Aliens. Is it just because we don't want to have two of the same series? I think it has more just a unique feel to it. I was, I mean, really, aliens, I was really gripped good. by Aliens. Alien when we watched it, but yeah. aliens didn't do that much for me on Same second viewing. It's really good. I mean, it's a lot of fun, but when you get down to it, it's a pretty typical action movie. Yeah. They're just going in there and they're killing aliens, but I Alien has all these like unique looks and <laughs> the, just the cinematography and the the set design. And I like I like the horror ask, aspect of it more than just like the action movie. I mean, to me, that's kind of what this that alien character is about it's freaking scary and so to be scared by it rather than just be like 
blown up millions of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Sci-fi had never really been played like as a horror film in that way. I mean, since then, there's been all sorts of movies that have imitated that kind of that style, probably. But I mean, before that, sci-fi movies just really weren't that like that. They weren't that dark. Yeah. And uh, I believe it was written in response to uh, Star Wars. If I remember the uh, special edition special features of this, uh, basically, I think it was Fox was like we or not. It wouldn't be Fox. It'd be someone else because Fox had Star Wars. We're like, well, Star Wars is a hit. We need to make a sci-fi movie that's like this, you know, a, a kind of gritty, lived-in, outer space movie. And uh, so they wrote Alien. Neat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything to say about that. I don't know. It's just, it's just the way Hollywood works, you know. One, one thing's a hit, and they think, well, we'll do another one. It's, rarely do you get a movie that's as original as something like Alien when it's done it, in response to another film. It's weird that a movie that sounds like if you just explained Alien, it sounds pretty like eh, whatever. It's just a movie about an alien getting onto a ship and it's just called Alien. But where <laughs> they took it, they took it in this total other direction where it's just terrifying and and it looks so just I, like I was saying gothic. I, I like I like using that for this. They just they just took something that sounded very typical and took it in a very uh, in, you know just new direction. It's really amazing and it, it holds up pretty well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I think it qualifies. Let's move on because it's going to be the longest podcast ever. Okay. <laughs> I warned people at the beginning. Let's go back to the future. I guess we talked about this movie a couple times now. Basically. This guy's got a cool car, lets him go back in time, and his buddy gets killed. So he goes back in time to escape, and hijinks ensue. And it's off the list. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? I'd agree. Already? <laughs> Are we going to talk about it? I don't know. I was actually editing something else. Sorry. <laughs> I'm down. It's uh I mean it's it's a fun movie but I wouldn't say it's on my top 10. Uh, I feel like it's more of a I don't know it doesn't quite qualify for me as sci I mean it is sci-fi but it's more like family comedy. adventure family adventure <laughs> family fun. What, what what when Sean went and saw action comedy? I, no, what was that, Colin? What? Sean went and saw a movie with his family in high school or something, and we we're like, "Where's Sean?" And you were like, "Well, it's action comedy." Action comedy. Sean's going to see an action comedy with his family. <laughs> I mean, it definitely goes plays up the comedy aspect more than it plays up the science fiction aspect, but it's still still a big a big part of it. The DeLorean. I feel like that's yeah. a pretty iconic sci-fi. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not sci-fi. I'm just... Yeah, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I I, I definitely like it more for just the the comedy aspect and kind of the culture clash than the the actual technology involved. Well, okay. Uh Back of the Future's real good, but I guess goodbye. Is it on your top ten show? I didn't make my own top ten because... Why would I do that to myself? 
Moving on. <laughs> the Blade Runner. The Blade Runner. The Blade Runner. So I like to call it. <laughs> Is that the director's title? No. No. That was a joke. The director titled it Blade Runner. All right. And he that's like the one thing he's been consistent about with this movie. He changes everything else. Narration in, narration out, reorganized scenes, whatever, I don't know. But Blade Runner's always the title. What's your definitive cut, Colin? Uh probably the final cut. Uh I just watched the director's cut from the nineties like a couple days ago mm-hmm. for the first time. And I couldn't really tell the difference. <laughs> uh but yeah, Blade Runner, man. That's like man. It's a, it's a movie that I have a hard time explaining why I like it so much. I guess just because it creates this other world like so well. Like the special effects and the set design are so just like and combined with the music and it's just really like I don't know, it's got this weird directorial touch that Ridley Scott employed where it's it is kind of a slow movie, but it's kind of like this ethereal sort of weird existential thing. And I just I just love getting lost in, in the world of Blade Runner for some reason. I don't know. I felt like I heard about it for so many years and, and always wanted to see it and when I finally saw it I was so wrapped up in what version I was watching and <laughs> and like not paying like I was you know what I mean? I was I was wrapped up in okay, like what you know? Why why is this version the way it is? And by the end, by the time I like understood the twist or whatever, I was like, I feel like I didn't watch it right. <laughs> Does that make sense? I don't know. I feel I like guess. I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to because, I mean, I get, I have a thing, a personal thing where like with director's cuts and stuff. I, w- I want to watch it the way it's supposed to be watched, but there's 15 different versions, and I don't know, you know, if I'm doing it right. I want to do it right, you know? And I felt like that got in the way for me. So I'd like to see it again. Which version did you see? I don't even remember. <laughs> did you? Well, did you see the one with... Narr- did it have narration in it? Um, I think so. By Harrison Ford? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, probably yeah, what yeah. the... Oh, what's that called? Just the is that just the original? That's cut? just that's the, one in theaters. Uh, the theatrical cut, I guess. That's the only one I've actually ever seen. I've never seen it without uh, narration. I've never I've... seen it with narration. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, I still in, enjoy it a lot. It's interesting that it's a sci-fi movie that it doesn't uh, go for action. It, it goes it goes for the detective story. It's kind yeah, of that's that a, that's sci-fi a... neo noir style, which mm-hmm. is interesting. That's another thing. Like I went into it like, yeah, Harrison Ford, awesome action. But not at all. Harrison yeah, Ford gets his ass kicked. A lot of people probably do go in disappointed, thinking, "Oh, this is gonna be like Indiana Jones, in the future." Yeah. <laughs> but it's really nothing like that. It yeah. is. It is slow and kind of brooding. But there, I think, it, yeah, the effects are amazing. It's Douglas Douglas Trumbull, I think. He also did 2001: Space Odyssey. A lot of the photography effects in there. He's one of the best. Uh, yeah, the whole city and how it looks, and all, the themes. There's all sorts of great themes in there about humanity and stuff. There's always been all those theories, like was Deckard a uh, a replicant and all that kind of stuff. We gonna vote on that right now? I think he's a replicant. I, I, I have to see it again to. to, to. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like he got his ass handed to him by Riker Howard. 
Yeah. Well, well, that's because he's like the strongest replicant that ever has been made. It seems like, like if Deckard is a replicant, I feel like he's just a really like shitty one. Yeah, <laughs> looks really old. Because replicants, didn't they live to a certain age? Or I can't remember. I, I, you know. Yeah, that that was the deal. They they wanted that age to be changed so they wouldn't all die when they turned. I think it was five. Mm-hmm. Um, you. Yeah, well, I've always liked the idea of Deckard being a human instead because if he's a human and they're both really similar, him and the replicants, it just shows that there's such a fine line between humanity and what makes someone human. It's like this guy's just as human as this guy. Like if they're both replicants, I find that a little less compelling. But, I mean, that's the fun of this movie, that you can kind of have that discussion. It's a movie that that leaves it open-ended in a way that you can kind of uh, discuss it. I know I've discussed it a handful of times in, in film classes it, it seems to be a favorite of uh like visual symbolism i mean you got uh edward james almost making all those little origami stuff and like what does that mean and there's all sorts of junk like that going on the dream sequence yeah i mean it's so layered oh my god oh my god um i i read a thing once on the internet where someone was like edward james almost uh was like hurt in an accident before the movie and so the Harrison Ford is a is a replicant to take his place uh with you know do his job and that's why Edward he James almost that's why Edward James almost is always there and like giving him little bits of advice but he also pretty much hates him cuz he's a damn dirty robot took his job took a job that's interesting yeah it, people have just it's amazing how people have just analyzed this and gotten into it so deep. That just, I think that just shows how uh, amazing a film it is that you can just talk about so many different aspects, so many little details. That's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I could watch that scene, that very first interrogation scene where he talks about the turtle being flipped over, you know, you know I'm talking about very early on in the movie. Yeah. I watched that a million times. It was such an intense scene. All about it. It's funny to think about Harrison so Ford. Like, <laughs> I feel like Harrison Ford always talked about making this movie as like a miserable experience, or like he didn't think it was that great, and all sorts of stuff like that. And here it is; it's now this classic. It really wasn't that well received when it came out. I feel like that's his opinion on everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones Ford is all it was work. It's <laughs> because Shia LaBeouf's so awesome. He got a lot of money for that, so that could be another reason he liked it. That's really sad. It's crazy to think all those movies Harrison Ford was making back in the early '80s. Man, he was huge. Like Hollywood, he essentially plays the same character in most of these movies, but it's, uh, it's a pretty damn good character, and it really worked well for a detective story. Um, I, I you know I, I look forward to seeing some of the other versions someday. Or not? They're not like that different, but you know. yeah, but you know, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this this will be on our list. So. Okay. How about Brazil? Well, Brazil's kind of an interesting take on the future because it doesn't explicitly say it's the future. It's, it just says at the beginning of the movie, somewhere in the 20th century. And it's cool because it's kind of like people are dressed like it's the 40s or something. But they've also got this like weird technology that kind of seems like could have been made in the 40s or something. I don't know. Um, 
This is another film like Blade Runner or 2001 where you just kind of have to respect the audacity of the filmmaking just because it's like this huge project, but it's also not the most uh, crowd-pleasing material. I mean, Brazil's still kind of a divisive film because the the tone of it's sort of schizophrenic. Like, it is kind of a comedy in a lot of ways, but also it deals with really dark shit of people basically being controlled by the government in every aspect of their lives. And uh, I like it a lot. <laughs> That's kind of just like Terry Gilliam's his thing. Yeah. His, how dark his movies. I look at 12 Monkeys or something like that. Like, that's pretty dark. Almost, It's almost like dra- drama or something, but it's still like comedy. It's just so twisted. Um, I remember I saw... I haven't seen Brazil since like 1998, <laughs> which is a weird... It's probably so a weird you were nine years old when you... I mean, 98, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was weird. I just remember getting... Re- I was really upset by... Uh, by the... Oh, those baby masks? Yeah, these are those weird creatures that have like baby masks. Those really, those really scared me. <laughs> and I haven't seen it since, but I, you know, I, I'd like to because I feel like I've seen most of Terry Gilliam's films, and I, I appreciate his dark vision. Uh, didn't I, I feel like I, I heard he was so stressed out making this movie that he lost the use of his legs? Like he became, I don't know, hysterically paralyzed or temporarily yeah, paralyzed or something. I've heard that. Because this movie was just apparently hell for him to make. I mean, I feel like a lot of his movies have been. He just hasn't had a lot of luck. I think it's because he's got just this grand vision in his mind. But I think this is probably the, out of all the movies he's made, this is probably the one where it came out maybe the best. Probably his his crowning achievement as a filmmaker. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big 12 Monkeys fan. But I, I really have to see Brazil again. It's been such a long time. I love that title too. It's so like, you know, escapist. You know, like, and it's it's like so like almost doesn't fit with the movie. Like, I'll, but it just there's something about the interplay between that title and the and the movie that's well, that's really cool. That's the song that's yeah. used as the motif. Well, I, I didn't know if you remembered. It's been so long. I mean, I remember a lot of uh, the visuals, and I remember that the song being in there, but I, I don't remember much in the way of plot. Um, if you could, if you could remind me a little bit. Well, um, he he's trying to find this girl that's um he keeps seeing in his dreams, and uh, he, he wants to find her, and he's also trying to break free of this uh, crappy job he has at like information retrieval or something. I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, I know he was trying. It's like sort of kind of based on Orwell's 1984. Mm-hmm. And after reading that book recently, I think I think this is kind of the best version you could ever do of that book, just because it is so bleak. But you know, Gilliam threw in some comedic touches to make it a little more lighthearted. That yeah, just sets you up for an even harder fall. It's true. That. <laughs> It's probably the most depressing last shot I could think of for a movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get any sadder than that. I haven't seen it. Don't see. Well, I'm not. I'm just saying. Well, Talk. I don't know. It is kind of... <laughs> it's not... Like, you could interpret it as an optimistic ending if you wanted to. I mean, 
in the real world, this is a guy that's so enslaved by everything, really. And the only freedom he has in his, is in his head, really. So it kind of makes sense. It's so sad. It's, I guess it's sad, but... <laughs> this is like that virtual reality discussion from it's our true. technology podcast. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Should, should it be on the list? I think it should be on the list. At least for consideration. Certainly for consideration, because we still got to get Men in Black off this list before we All right. cut Brazil off. <laughs> uh, how about Children of Men? A movie I saw in theaters and then never again. I as well am in that boat. I've seen it a few times. Uh, What I remember about Children of Men are ridiculously great tracking shots and Clive Owen being the man. Where did I see this? I watched it with you once. Where? I feel like I was at. I feel Shad's like it was at Shad's house, but he was <laughs> his, he was like on vacation. And I was house sitting. <laughs> I guess I should have watched it with you. you said you've you... only seen it once. Yeah. That's funny. Like Pretty Sean sure. says, he, he's only seen it once in theaters. I'm like I swear I've seen that movie. I swear I was at Sean's. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just got a classic kind of sci-fi plot where humans can no longer uh, procreate, and then there's this. Uh, miraculously there's this pregnant woman and then Clive Owen's got a transporter and make sure it's all safe and it's got some good action kind of freaky yeah I mean I love it in comparison to most of the sci-fi we get nowadays where it all relies on CG and there's so little of that in Children of Men and I just remember feeling I don't know like (laughs) like this could be real life and it, I think it does have to do with the cinematography too, as it's just this grittiness to it that's really, really gripping. I think, especially in that scene where it's the one take for like fifteen minutes. You're talking about the battle, or yeah. the car ride? Well, both of them are <laughs> pretty amazing scenes. Car ride is the one that that stuck out in my mind because that was you see that one first, and I remember at a certain point I was like, wait a minute. This has all been the same shot, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. People have died. Major characters have died, and this has all been the same That's shot. That's a really crazy scene, because when you see a person get shot in most movies, like, eh, whatever. But that one is like, it feels so real. Like, you're like, oh my god. And then you see the crazy anarchist guys <laughs> running up from the hills. Something really, really yeah. amazing about that scene, yeah. And it's... I th- I think what you were talking about earlier, I mean, you can relate to it also just because it's the future, but it's basically identical to modern day. I mean, they don't have really anything that we don't have, except we have baby-making power, and they don't. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's an entertaining film, but I, it's, it's not my necessarily one of my favorite sci-fi movies. It's pretty good. I mean, I really haven't. I, I guess I should. I should probably see it again. Seems like I'm saying that over and over again. <laughs> uh, but I haven't really been really like, oh, I gotta see it again. It's just like, oh, that'd be fun. I wasn't. As, I, I guess I wasn't quite as blown away as some people were. Like the tracking shots, I thought, yeah, that was pretty cool. But I, I didn't. I didn't ever. I didn't really think it was an amazing film. It's just pretty solid in my mind. I mean, that's all I have to say. I guess about that. Take okay. it or leave it. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm not going to fight for many films in this podcast, really, because I'm not that much of a sci-fi guy. So if this gets taken off, I'd be okay with it. I say keep it for now. Okay, since we haven't taken that much off. Let's uh, move on to A Clockwork Orange. It's a pretty depressing start to this list. Yeah. (laughs) This is as well a future I would not like to live in. Where there's vicious gangs that commit rape. Uh, Let me see. What's that one about? So Malcolm McDowell plays Alex DeLarge. He's the leader of this gang. And then, let me see. How does he get to the... He gets jailed, right? Yeah. He volunteers for this... Doesn't he get beaten up? His gang... Do they... they, No, never mind. Sorry. (laughs) It's funny trying to remember this movie. Or the plot. (laughs) I think when it's it. not really that confused. I think he picks a fight with another gang and he gets beaten up and they arrest him and then try to reprogram him. And he volu- he volunteers, doesn't he? For like this kind of experimental therapy. Yeah, but that's after he gets locked up. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, of course. And then they, 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 they show him these really violent images, I guess, to try to, uh, you know, ch- turn, change him and everything. And yet, uh, things still go downhill from there. <laughs> um, okay, let's stop rehashing the plot. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> what do you guys think of it? Well, I mean, it's a great film. I mean, uh, Malcolm McDowell's performance is just fantastic. Maybe one of the best in all of Kubrick's uh, all his whole catalog of films. Maybe maybe the best performance. It's very dark. Uh... <sighs> yeah, I, it's hard to like talk about this movie without. We're not. We're not doing so hot. No. Well, these ones that are they're kind of they kind of lean on plot. Some of these. It's a very visceral visual experience again. Yeah, yeah. it's it's such a visceral. Especially experience. those first like forty five minutes where he's basically just running around, raping and beating the shit out of people. And it's like, man, what's going on here? And of course, it's kind of an amazing achievement that after all the horrible things you watch him do, you you still do kind of feel bad for him. By the when, end, yeah. At the end, after all. God. This, this, this movie is definitely in the one-time category for me. It's, I saw it once. I have the knowledge of seeing it. And I have no intention to ever revisit it because it's so hurts there's a lot I, I, I don't think it hurts that much i mean i don't know i i don't really like eye things so even the scene where they're brainwashing him and they got the things holding his eyelids open and they're dropping the i don't know probably just liquid in his eyes even that makes me uncomfortable i mean i love kubrick so i you know i'm always willing to watch his movies just over and over again to notice new things what he does with the camera and everything um i, I guess this one isn't is uh, it doesn't immediately come to mind as sci-fi. It is it is in the future, and they do these like experimental uh, procedures uh, with the main character and everything. I, I feel like it's it's more of like this character ex- exploration kind of of his psyche and everything. So, I mean, I don't I don't know if I I don't think I'd put it on this list as much as I do like it. 
just because it kind of it almost kind of defies genre for me in a way. I, it's I think that's what really good movies tend to do. Kind of blur the line of like, what is what is this? What am I watching here? Yeah, it's definitely not one of the ones that first comes to mind when you think sci-fi. I mean, even the title, like, what the a Clockwork Orange? Where, where's the clock? <laughs> I thought this was a movie about a clock that I looked bet, like an orange. Movie, I thought this was a movie about an orange clock. Where is it? Could you imagine like an old couple walking into this movie, <laughs> sitting in the back of a Clockwork it. Orange? Like, what did he say? What's where's the clock? What's going on? Where do you put the syrup? Where do you put the syrup? <laughs> yeah, a Clockwork Orange is. is I think that title shows you that this is a tricky movie to kind of wrap your mind around in a way. I'm not sure you want to wrap your mind around it. I do. I'd love to understand it more, but that would require me to subject myself to grisly violence again and again. <laughs> and Ultra all that violence. Ultra violence. Ultra violence. Excuse me. Sweet Moog synthesizer uh, score too. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, not a lot of that back then in the early 70s. Yeah, whatever moogs you. Uh, let's leave that in the maybe calm and just keep going. How about Close Encounters of the Third Kind? We've all seen this. Nancy, your thoughts? I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> well, it's about uh, these people who think aliens are coming, and it turns out they're right. Sorry. I knew that. <laughs> oh yeah, you go straight to me. <laughs> it's been a while since we got to hear from it's you. It's been a while. Because we've been talking about movies he hasn't seen. Um, not one of my favorites, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. why is that? Just always thought it was more boring than interesting. I suppose it does take a long time to lead up to the. Uh... The big reveal, and there's not there's not really a lot before that. There's just kind of flashing lights. It it, it kind of builds up to this thing, and you think, oh, that's really cool, or like that's it, like that's all <laughs> they're gonna give me. But I enjoy the ride. I enjoy kind of Richard Dreyfus going through this. Like, am I like I feel like I'm kind of going crazy because this is this you know these signals and signs. It's becoming my obsession. You know, it takes him away from his family. What are the first two kinds? Uh, <laughs> aren't there, aren't there other kinds? Like yeah, yeah, of like course. Seeing well, it, like seeing the spaceship, is that one? I'm just curious. There's a fourth one too. Well, first it, I, I, you see it, and then you see it, and uh, there's some sort of physical effect or something, and then you see the point. occupants. I don't know. And then fourth, you're abducted. Something like that. I don't even know. It could go. It could keep going. Like, I don't know where probe fits into that. <laughs> we'll just assume it's one of them. One of the main ones. I, I, this isn't a movie. You're, 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 getting, you're not going to get. Oh. You're not going to get a whole lot of the. I don't want to spoil anything, but you're not going to get a whole lot of alien action throughout most of this. You're going to have to kind of wait. And. You know, like I said, the ending you're either like, "Oh, that's kind of beautiful," or like, "Eh." Yeah. I, I'm fine with the ending. It's, it's not really a movie that's even heavy on conflict. Really, yeah. it's kind of just this this journey to understand, like, what's going on, what does this mean? 
This is important. Yeah. But great performance on Richard Dreyfus. Great effects. Another Douglas Trumbull one. If there's anyone that can just make a realistic spaceship, because <laughs> there's there's some really fantastic models and stuff in here. Uh, visually, it's just really amazing. But not quite as action-packed or as thrilling, maybe, as some of Spielberg's other ones, considering you know this is around the time he's making stuff like Jaws and, uh, and Raiders and Junk. In 1941. 1941. <sighs> not, not the best. I just think Spielberg has another alien movie on this list that has a much better shot of making it. Sure, but I, I do think Close Encounters is an uh, important sci-fi film. Oh, sure. So I thought mm-hmm. we could just touch on it, so we can move ahead. We can knock it off the list. Yeah, uh, right. that ending scene is real cool, especially if you like music. That guy plays so well. <laughs> so the day the Earth stood still it stars Keanu Reeves as Klaatu, an alien who decides to make contact with people, I guess, and they like arrest him, and he's like, "You shouldn't have done that." Very funny, Sean. Very funny. <laughs> Going straight to the Keanu Reeves definitive version, <laughs> 2008. But no, they, there is still is a classic 50 sci-fi movie from Robert Wise, and what I've always loved about this movie is, is how it kind of parallels uh, the, the whole communist. Uh, I don't know, paranoia and fear, which a lot of sci-fi movies from the 50s did. That was a real boom for sci-fi. I mean, everyone's real freaked out. Was, you know, there's communists among us and stuff like that. And I guess, I don't know how atomic shit played into all that. People are real interested in, like, atomic bombs and, and junk. I mean, there's so many films back then that, deal with, that dealt with that kind of stuff. But... Um, I, I, I think they, they're so still because it's not just like an alien Vader movie. It's a very human story. Essentially, the, the guy who comes to the planet, uh, played by Michael Rennie, uh, Klaatu, if that's, yeah, he's was, was Klaatu, he's kind of bringing this, this warning, you know, like, you got to not fight each other. You're going to destroy, you know, each other. You're going to be a threat to yourselves and to the universe. And what do we do at being Earthlings? We're like, oh, let's shoot that guy. I don't trust that guy, as Americans do. And then, and this is what's kind of cool is it's almost Klaatu's kind of like space Jesus because yeah, he comes yeah. down and he has this message, you know, of peace. And what do we do? We kill him and then he comes back. I, there's even like he go, like the, the I um I think the identity he takes when he's kind of hiding among us. It was like Major Carpenter, like seriously, Carpenter. <laughs> like it's the Jesus parallel is so obvious, but it's also really cool that this is like this story of Jesus, but with sci-fi. And then there's, uh, it's it's really more of kind of like this human story about, I don't know, uh, conflict and you can trust and everything. But of course, then of course you got Gort, who's a sweet robot that shoots a big laser out to, uh, just so you kind of have that action and that kind of, you know, thrilling suspense in there. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> That's one of the coolest robots there is. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's very simple. He's just all silver, and then he's got he's got the visor and opens up and shoots the the laser and everything. But I, I just love this film because it's so intelligent and it's so heartfelt. It's not it's not just a uh, an alien invasion movie or something. It's it's so much more than that. Science science fiction is kind of just like uh, what what sets it all up. 
has so much to say. And it's really, I think it's a really important science fiction film. I love it to death. I've yeah. seen it a handful of times, and it's just, it's always great. Michael Rennie is fantastic, especially a lot of the scenes he has with uh, the, the female lead, her son, and everything. It's a very touching film. I love it. Absolutely. I, I agree with what you're saying. The best sci fi isn't about look at this fantastic future we could live in, it's about look at what's really going on in the modern world. And Daily uh, Earth still does that brilliantly. And the part when everything's frozen is pretty cool, too. Oh, Lest we forget the title of the movie. <laughs> Gotta cash in on that title. They're like, what's, well, where's, where's the standing still? <laughs> Shit happens. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard people a big outrage saying, how come things aren't standing still? <laughs> oh, maybe back in the 50s. Yeah, these people, people that go sci-fi movies, as we already proved with Clockwork Orange, are really concerned about title accuracy. All right. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of other sci-fi films back there, like, I don't know, uh, Invasion of the Saucer Men and all that kind of stuff, where it's just very to the point, you know, oh, I get exactly what they're saying. But Day of the Earth Stood Still, it's, it's kind of a, it's a little more meaningful, a little deeper than that. It's not not just about the Earth standing still or something. If the planet's forbidden, how come they went to it? In Forbidden Planet. Does anyone remember? Why yeah. are they going to the planet? It's actually... It's crazy to think about all the 50s ones that we could have added. You could just do a top 10 with 50s, you know. The, the Fly, War of the Worlds, Forbidden Planet, Them, Godzilla, Thing from Another World, Incredible Street Man, just a golden age. But I think this is probably... You just did it. <laughs> Let's I'm just assume look. those were in order. I'll, I'll cut that up and uh, put it <laughs> on the like, site. That was like six or seven or something. <laughs> yeah. But I, I still think this tops it, considering and considering that was the golden age probably for this genre. I mean, at least that's when it was most popular for some reason, which seems kind of weird. If people were so afraid of communism, why did they want to see movies that had like that were like similar to it? Or I don't know. Well, all the people that were making those movies were commies. <laughs> yeah. I Am I right? <laughs> I guess. Uh, sure. <laughs> Mystery solved. Uh, let's go on to another movie. Uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial, is about an alien who comes to Earth. But he's nice. Well, mm-hmm. at least he's all right. <laughs> you think he, he made some questionable decisions? <laughs> well, it's pretty selfish if you think about it. Everything he does, he's like, I'm going to take this for myself. I'm going to eat this myself. I'm going to get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious. I uh, guess, yeah, he does, like, heal the boy. Yeah. But he also almost gets the boy killed. Nice yeah. work, E.T. This is another <laughs> nice example that a sci-fi movie, an alien movie doesn't have to be, I'm an alien, I'm going to come down, I'm going to kill you. This is just this peaceful little alien who gets left behind. It's very sad. And here you have this boy who's, I mean, I feel like his mother tries, but I guess he's still kind of emotionally neglected in a way. And then he befriends this alien and they form this beautiful bond. It's almost more like a fantasy film. I feel like I don't know. I don't know why. It just it has that whimsy and that kind of magic to it. A lot of Spielberg films seem to have. I mean, I've, I've, he's a, he's an alien, but aside from that, I mean, what what are we watching? We're watching him perform magic, essentially. I'm just disappointed it didn't have more politics in it. You know what? You know, what, what were his views on the Galactic Senate, you know, stuff like that? 
Or E.T.'s views on the Galactic Senate. Yeah. <laughs> so you want George Lucas's prequel to E.T. <laughs> like E.T. starts like te- teaching him, like Elliot about like right wing <laughs> alien. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm joking about how E.T.'s in Episode One. Yeah, in Episode One, part of that universe, which which always boggles my mind because there's that scene in E.T. where he's like, "Here's a Lando Calrissian action figure," and I'm like. Dude, does that mean Star Wars in this universe? Like, it was real? Like, this is like... It's like a historical documentary. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, because Star Wars is a long time ago and the galaxy far away, so... I mean, E.T. being being probably pretty young... Mine's would ...wouldn't remember Lando. Like, I don't know how to get into that. What? Lazy's mind is busting apart at the seams. <laughs> you guys and don't even bring up how, you know, Indiana Jones was, like, discovered by, like, Chewbacca or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I won't. It's true. Uh, it's all true. Just uh, go to Wikipedia if you want to learn about that stuff. Uh, you guys ever go on the E.T. ride? At uh, Universal Studios. No, nope. yeah, I remember that. It's pretty lame. Well, I remember enjoying that... it, but I was like six years old. Yeah, you like sit on a bike. It's not a real bike. It's a it's a, it's a ride bike attached to a machine that makes you go. Yeah, above miniature cities. I guess. Yeah, it's it's like the flying bike scene. It's like Peter Pan kind of ride, or is it bigger than that? Peter Pan ride. You know, like in the little kid section of Disneyland. There's a little kid section of Disneyland? <laughs> but the whole of Disneyland is for little kids. Well, you know, it's like a bunch of little rides. You know, I don't it, think I've been on that one. Come on. Yeah, I remember me and when me and my friend Oliver were down there. Are we seriously talking about the Peter Pan ride? <laughs> well, I'm just not I, I didn't know that I need to know. I didn't know that these guys didn't even know what the Peter Pan ride is. It's quintessential Disneyland magic. It's quintessential sci fi discussion. Yes. Yeah, so- <laughs> I don't even know why we're talking about. Oh, yeah. We're talking about the stupid ET ride. Now, but it sucks. I don't know why that's even relevant to the conversation. Aside from the fact wow. that it has e- e- ET. When we were there, my mom but, wanted to go on the ET ride, but she had to get out of line to help out Alex. That's great, Sean. He just points out that you should be talking about this. You talk about it some more. Good job. Well, I want to hear the rest of Sean's story. I don't. <laughs> Go on. So I got to go on the ride instead. And I didn't like it that much. <laughs> it's a pretty lame story. <laughs> I like how it just kept getting lamer. And lamer. <laughs> yeah, I think E.T. is really that good. That wallows and lameness. I but uh, I still feel like E.T. isn't really that heavy on the sci-fi. It it I mean it's set up with a sci-fi like character, but it's I mean from there on out. What about all the walkie-talkies? <laughs> you mean oh, guns? Let's not have this argument. <laughs> um, I see what you're saying. I don't know. I've always thought of it as sci-fi. It Just because I guess alien. it's hard to think of a movie which the main character is an alien as not being sci-fi. Yeah. It's pretty hard sci-fi. <laughs> oh, I feel like all the like government agents trying to take down the aliens. It's pretty. It's pretty sci-fi. He's just trying to get back to space. 
I just feel like E.T. could have been like some troll monster who came from a bridge, and it wouldn't have changed anything. Well, it would have changed the spaceship parts at the beginning and end. Yeah. Those are pretty cool. Well, all right. I mean, I love E.T. I'm just trying to think of any way to um, prune this list down a little bit. Pretty Who sure my E.T. VHS tape was green. That's pretty sci-fi. That's like the future. I feel like everyone owned E.T. on VHS. <laughs> I didn't. You didn't? No. Because of your blood feud with Drew Barrymore? Yep. How do you know about that? <laughs> I read your let's, blog. Let's, let's move ahead. <laughs> okay. okay, how about another controversial pick, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, one of the great films of the last decade, somehow starring Jim Carrey. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this movie. Don't think of it as a sci-fi film. But it's about a machine that erases your memories. I know. Yeah. It's basically reason... the Matrix. It's basically set in the Matrix. I just feel like he uses that as kind of a device to set up this um, insight into the imagination. It's just, it's, Charlie Kaufman's films are so surreal that they don't feel like any genre to me, really. I mean, it's it's it, it, like I guess technically all his films are sci-fi. I mean, I guess being John Malkovich is sci-fi too. Yeah, but mm, that's magic. There's <laughs> not a machine that lets you. It's just look at this magical doorway. Well, I, I mean, I don't think Charlie Kaufman goes to these movies thinking about like how plausible any of this is or anything. I want to see more magic movies. <laughs> I can hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I just feel like he uses that just so he has like a way to get into the, the the mind and talk about and kind of get into that. Sure, just like the Matrix uses the Matrix to get into kung fu fighting in slow motion. Yeah, but the Matrix has like robots and like flying ships and like all sorts of like futuristic stuff going on. I just, I just, I'm not saying this isn't a sci-fi movie. That just uh, compared to some of these other ones, it's. Uh, I, I feel like I want to go for a more traditional. Uh, kind of ordered and for all these and this is this one's just a little it's a gray area and seeing that colin seems to you know is unsure about it too yeah i think we should put it to a vote and i'm gonna say as as much as i like it i'm gonna say no i would say no too i'll say no there you go someday it'll make it onto a list john very good it's a very good movie Uh, next up is Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is uh, one I really should see because I've seen the 70s remake and the 2000s remake, but I haven't seen the original. So i got to see the 90s one. Ah, yes. That one's really, really bad, though. Okay. It's easily so, the worst. So I'm a bit surprised. Uh, you put the 1956 version on here. I thought most people thought the 70s one was better. Um, It's pretty close. I, I actually watched this last night. Um, to see which one I like better, and I I do like this the original better. I actually think it's actually it's there's something about it that's scarier. I think that has to do with the fact that the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers is is set in a very small town, you know, just in California, in suburbia somewhere, and it's this doctor, and he's coming back from a conference, and he starts noticing all these little peculiar changes. People aren't acting like they used to, and he keeps getting house calls to come over and people are freaking out like that's not my husband, that's not what he's like. He's like, oh, you're just crazy. And, <laughs> but then it just it starts building, and it, it 
Yeah, did I already mention that this is another one I guess is supposed to somehow relate to communism? I'm not sure how. I don't know if it, what they're trying to say is like, well, there's communists hiding among us. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's that McCarthyism thing where anyone could be secretly a Russian spy or secretly a communist. The star of the movie is Kevin McCarthy. <gasps> I throw that out there. It, it's very stylish, uh, too, though. I mean... A lot of the lighting, a lot of the shadows and everything. It's the, it's not cheesy at all. It really holds up well. It's it's really intelligent. It kind of reminds me of the Twilight Zone almost. It's a very uh, well-crafted story. And, you know, just interesting to see how these people become disconnected. And how they try to argue that if everyone, you know, if people didn't love and everything, there'd be like no war. People wouldn't hate or anything because we'd all just be the same. You know, we wouldn't have to deal with those kind of problems. But he's like, that's no way to live. And Kevin McCarthy's going crazy. And he's running through the streets. And he's like yelling at people in their cars. What's really funny is in the 70s version, there's a scene where he runs up to someone's, to Donaldson's car and is like, they're here, they're here. I like to think that he's just been doing that for like 30 years. Because <laughs> the movie ends on a very ambiguous note. Like, what's going to happen to these people? What's going to happen to the world? I love that it's, it's open-ended like that. Good stuff. You know what I find interesting about two of my favorite 50s sci-fi movies is they're both done by directors who were, never really did sci-fi again. The first one was Robert Wise, and this one, Don Siegel, went on to do, like, Clint Eastwood movies and stuff. <laughs> Sometimes I guess it's nice to get, uh, I don't know, maybe the, the insight from someone who's not usually works in that, that genre and then kind of put them in there and see how they where they take it and everything. And, of course, both those movies aren't, they're not space sci-fi movies. They're weird things happening on Earth. Well, yeah, but they're, they're pods from space. But they never really delve into that in either of them. And what's cool about Invasion of the Body Snatchers is I feel like each time it's remade, it kind of totally changes what the movie's about. Like the, the first one, like, yeah, it's a communism, the paranoia, who can you trust? And then the 70s one. I feel like the 70s was like the me generation. It's all about decadence. And everyone is, is so focused on themselves that they don't even notice all these these bizarre, you know, little changes that are starting to happen. I haven't um, seen the 2000s one, but I would bet that there's like some, they could be terrorist aspect to that movie. There was probably something that uh, made it relate to the uh, to the times. It, it, they always try to, they always... They always try to reflect what's going on in the world, and that's what I love about. It. I guess I guess you'd almost call it a franchise, even though it's essentially the same movie over and over again. But uh, yeah, I love the original, and I also love the uh, the Philip Kaufman version, from the seventies. Like it was neck and neck of which one I'd I'd pick. I almost just want to put them both. Is the two thousands one any good? Eh, you know, it's like it's watchable. It's like whatever. It's pretty mediocre. I Not thought. the nineties. Nineties one's pretty bad. Who's in? The- Is everyone like? The Invasion, the 2000s one. Uh, Nicole Kidman. Daniel Craig. Uh, okay. It's really gonna, forgettable. I was going to say Leif Schreiber. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's also pretty forgettable, I guess. I like Leif Schreiber. He just makes a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> I don't think he has a lot of options. Not really. <laughs> just bad decisions. At least he's married to Naomi Watts. I'm sure that's working out for him. But back At least. to the station, yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen it, that probably means he's not going to make it, but it's pretty good. It's worth seeing. Just because I haven't seen it, I'm such a big well, factor. Have you seen of, it, Sean? None of us have seen the 50s one. Oh, you haven't right. seen it either. Okay. Oh, there you go. We can kind of move ahead from there. Yeah, all right. 
It's too bad. It's pretty good. I also haven't seen The Blob. If you guys <gasps> watched that once. Yeah, we Is did. From space? The Blob? Yeah, after my yeah. begging for years to watch it. He jeeps. He jeeps. pretty hilarious. <laughs> There's a sweet I song at the beginning. Except, uh, it's got a song. <laughs> the Blob. <laughs> And Steve McQueen's supposed to play teenager. He's like 35 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> that movie's like so dumb. Like this is cop is like, we'll take care of her tomorrow. He says that to literally everything. It's like he's the laziest cop I've ever seen. We'll take care of her tomorrow. I'll leave it up to 35-year-old teenager Steve. <laughs> I think his name was Steve McQueen's character's name was Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I remember there's that really dumb little kid. I saw something. What? What was it? I don't know. <laughs> Not a really bad acting. It was hilarious. <laughs> remember we all watched it together once. Except yeah. for Sean. Yeah. yeah. It still burns. How about a movie we've all seen plenty of times, Jurassic Park? Is this sci-fi? I think so. It has to do with cloning. Just because they're dinosaurs doesn't mean it's not sci-fi. No, it's, it's sci-fi. I agree. What I love about Michael Crichton's stories is I, f- I feel like he does a lot of research. He, he tries to get him pretty close to the truth. I mean, as much as possible. I like how when worth- Sean said that, he looks at Colin like he's arguing with Colin. <laughs> I'm not arguing with you, and John's on the internet. I can't look at him. You can look into my soul. My silicon soul. Because I'm a machine. Um, <gasps> I don't know. But yeah, I mean, this one's pretty interesting with all the it's about making dinosaurs, and they they have a somewhat logical way of doing that. I think that was like, the most impressive thing to me. Yeah, it's not like we created a time a Stargate or something. <laughs> That's <laughs> a dark Stargate. Cause I kind of like the Stargate movie. <laughs> it's kind of stupid though, but uh, it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, but Stargate's pretty bad. It's pretty cheesy. It's got some good Kurt Russell action in there. I don't know. Some sweet spaceships. So whatever the hell those things are. But yeah, sense. Jurassic Park. I mean, once they talk about all the dinosaur stuff, it kind of just takes off from there and becomes a full-on action adventure movie. Hold on to your butts. They don't really uh, delve like back into that, you know, after the beginning. Um, yeah, the whole so thing guess- of nature finding a way is is really their whole explanation for the the movie and doesn't really make sense. They never ever explain it, not even in the sequels. Just nature finds a way. You know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little hard to pinpoint and I mean, I don't know, for the genre I feel like. It's got the science fiction aspect. Yeah. Like you were saying, it actually has the science at the beginning. That's really cool. I know when I was a kid and I saw it for the first time, I was like, yeah, why don't they do this? Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. You just take the thing and put it in a frog. Good to go. <laughs> it's a little more complicated than that. Good yeah. to go. <laughs> instead, to go. We just made, instead, we just made Crunchwrap Supremes. <laughs> yes. They took all the funding that would have gone to dinosaur making and put it into Crunchwrap Supreme technology. <laughs> the best scientists in the world are working in the... Taco Bell Laboratories. <laughs> They're geniuses, man. They're so good. What if we take nachos and wrap it up, man? Oh, I got this idea. Dude, they made Doritos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's just what I was going to say. We cloned a Dorito into Scientific a taco shell. 
you Whatever need a Dorito into a bigger shape. It's not nearly enough. <laughs> I like that taco engine here. Yeah, I'm not really sure how Taco Bell relates to Jurassic Park, but <laughs> it's an interesting idea. I don't know. I like Jurassic Park, but again, I feel like it is so much of an action movie that like compared to some of these other ones, the themes aren't really quite as rich in terms of what technology does yeah, to just... us. I see, this is why I was looking at Colin when I defended the movie in the beginning. I think it's fine as a sci-fi movie. I'm just... As a movie, it's it's a it's a pretty entertaining movie, but I don't know if I'd put it as one of the top ten sci-fi films. What about films. Jurassic Park 3? Well, that's another story. That one's got uh, kids eating their own fecal matter. Wait, which one are we talking about? Jurassic Park 3. Uh, or maybe it's not fecal matter, it's just pee. That's the yeah, what? I don't, I don't remember that. Never mind. What the hell I are you talking about? I remember this kid like, like survived on his drinking his pee, right? Yeah, maybe uh, it's it's suggested. Yeah, no. I like that you said fecal matter. <laughs> <laughs> no one eats fecal matter. That so would just hungry, kill you. I'm gonna eat my poop. Yeah, didn't you learn anything from hearing about human centipede? <laughs> yeah, called. Should put that on. <laughs> Strong science. Okay, who the hell put yes man on the list? <laughs> Whatever, we'll get we'll, to that we'll later. We'll get to the science behind Yes Man in a bit. Okay, do you guys uh, I really perfectly like Jurassic want Park. Jurassic Park? Okay, we can I keep really it in like the Jurassic maybe, Park. Colin. Sure, I'd say no, fine. but we'll kick it okay, off later. Okay, you know, yeah, if we're just going to kick it off later, might as well kick it off Okay. Good. Spielberg's still got E.T. on the list. What does he care? Yeah. <laughs> He's getting paid per movie on our list. It's true. But not true. We finally made it to the Matrix, guys. And <laughs> <laughs> um, the Matrix, it's it's kind of easy to forget how cool the Matrix was in 1999. Like that movie was real cool. It kind of came out of nowhere. I, I mean, most people didn't even most people didn't see it in theaters. Yeah, I, 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 I saw it on VHS tape. All I remember about the Matrix was someone be, like showing me a trailer. I was like, "What is the Matrix?" And, and I was like, "I don't know." And then years later, I saw, actually saw it, like 2000, for 2001, I finally saw it, and blew my mind. It's so cool. It's just a really well thought out, you know, sci-fi concept that there's like this, I don't know, I guess this fake world kind of thing going on that we're all living. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and that whole concept is so scary because uh, there's nothing I can do about that. If that's the case, I can't, I'm, I'm screwed, I'm stuck. And the whole thing about, like... Some people would rather just be in it than, like, that's a debate. Would you Would you rather be in the Matrix or would you rather be in some shitty ship that you had to eat, like, raisin bran for the rest of your life? <laughs> eat your own fecal batter. Don't do I, that. It'll kill you. Fecal I would brand. definitely rather live in the Matrix. Oh, yeah. And then there's the whole other thing of if there's one Matrix, who's not to say Inception style, there's two layers of Matrix and the people that break out of... Matrices. Did I say Matrixes? No. You just said two Matrix. I thought it said two layers of Matrix. There you go. That works. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. What if there's what if all the stuff doing in the sequels like Neo has powers in the ma- outside of the Matrix? Because there's a second Matrix. Mm-hmm. And then the of course probably the... That's okay, whatever. That's but, but not I an think... interesting question to me, but whatever. I, mean, I don't know why yeah, that's, that's not all... interesting. It's all interesting 
I guess for some people to kind of to go into that. Like, I think probably just the main coolest thing about the Matrix for me is how the characters manipulate it, and how they're doing all this sweet. Look at me! I'm flying around and dodging bullets. Like that's awesome. Dude. That's just great action, and the, and no one had thought of that. I don't know how anyone could think of that. It's amazing that we got something that that, that looked like that. It, it, it is easy to overlook the Matrix, considering that the other ones are kind of underwhelming. They're little, they're pretty convoluted, but the first one's pretty good. I feel like every mm-hmm. time I watch it, which unfortunately is on TV. Uh, so it's not quite as good. I hate it when they always edit out my favorite line where he walks into this building. The shoe guard's like, wait, wait, wait. You're like, you know, what do you got there? And he opens up his jacket and he's got all these, he's got like 50 guns. And he's like, holy shit. But on TV, he's like, holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, there's that scene where Connery's flips that guy off. But no, he can't, they can't flip him off on TV. So he just puts up his fist and his finger's gone. He gives him the flipper. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> I love that so much. Instead of saying, let me that. give you the finger, he says, let me give you a flipper. <laughs> like, and he raises actually, his hand and puts it back if, there. If the flipper, if Keanu Reeves giving the flipper had made it into the actual movie, I bet that would be like a cult thing. People would really be into that. They could, <laughs> they could just called it the flipper. That, that could work because he's like flipping in and out of worlds. <laughs> You imagine if it was the Flipper trilogy? Think about it. They'd rename the movie. <laughs> the Flipper. Isn't there a the Dolphin Flipper Reloaded series called Flipper? The Flipper Reloaded. He's <laughs> flipping you on the poster. I'm going to give you the Flipper. Well, it's one of those like 3D posters where you like look at it one way, it looks so he like goes up and down. It's a really expensive poster campaign. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't just have a flipper that's up like this. It's just a fist. Flipper's got to go up and down. I see. Now we've established the rules of the flipper. Yeah, so anyway, The Matrix, one of the landmark action films in the history of action films at this point, I think. Uh, I mean, after it came out, we had basically a decade of movies imitating the action sequences from The Matrix, including Matrix sequels, which were underwhelming. Uh, I still enjoy them. I don't think they're bad at all. That's why I say underwhelming. I, yeah. I I'm with you. They're not the worst. Just like just like the Star Wars prequels. Like I can tolerate them, but I, I think I, they're I better than the Star Wars bad. prequels. Maybe a little. Not the third one. The third one's real bad. What the Matrix? Yeah, third Matrix movie. I still kind of like it. I, I I was in a point in my life one time and like sophomore year of high school I was like all about the Matrix I like was playing all the video games and cause I like I didn't which is weird cause it's I didn't, like I, I a didn't, few years yeah. after like the sequels came out exactly but I didn't I saw the second one in theaters but I fell asleep like the entire time <laughs> but like once I actually saw like saw them I was all about them I just feel like the Wachowski brothers got really self-indulgent like Excuse look, me, John, the Wachowski created, look, siblings, look how smart we are siblings. look at all the stuff we can come up with yeah siblings. I agree I agree one of them is a lady now. Wachowski yeah, that, that's pretty weird. One of them's basically a woman now. That's interesting. I don't think they're done with sci-fi though. I feel like they were they're working on something uh, coming up in a few years or sometime. Maybe it might even be this year. Cloud Atlas. Uh, more more on that when it develops. You know. Yeah, I know not of what you speak, but I know lots about the Men in Black because I just watched it again. Last night, the movie's real funny. That's all. That's pretty good. Also, that movie was made nineteen ninety seven. There's hella shots of World Trade Center towers. 
What? You think you like can't have the World Trade Center? Of, yeah. There's tons of World Trade Center shots in tons of movies. Is that what you do when you're walking, watching Man on Wire? The yeah. The whole time you're just going, Ugh. Yeah. Well, also because that guy's teetering between the two towers. Yeah, but that's different from a, Ooh, that's like a, Ooh. Oh, yeah, of course. Slight difference in intonation. Um, so, Men Black, if you haven't heard the, the story yet, which I guess is quite possible. We don't need to rehash the Men in Black <laughs> plot. It's a secret organization that monitors alien activity. There you go. Will Smith joins up. Mm-hmm. What's cool about it as a sci-fi movie is I love how you get to ex- all, explore all these different alien races. They all look pretty cool. Rick Baker, great makeup. Of course... It's probably the best alien makeup because I mean he also did the Star Wars Cantina guys and stuff. It'd be sweet if they like snuck a Cantina guy in there. And people be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> what? But uh, and all uh, the sweet the weapons and just you know again not very imaginative. Enough, not enough uh, political scenes. Uh, not enough Galactic Senate talk. You know. Well, there's the there's the political you know the. Not enough. They they say that the Men in Black exist as like Earth is like uh, a place where people seeking refugee, aliens seeking refugee can can come. And you know, there's the remember the the big threat at the end of that movie is the people that own the galaxy are going to blow up the Earth. So there's kind of there's a little there's a little politics between Men in Black and whatever really those aliens are called. Okay, fine. I'm really glad those movies are comedy. I can imagine how bad they would have been if they were dramatic or something. Yeah, or, aren't aren't the comics? They're really gritty. Yeah, it was an independent comic series. They're like, there's an alien. Let's get out my submachine gun. Blow the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that movie. Like, it, it, like if it had started like Bruce Willis. <laughs> Men in Black. And I guess while we're on the topic. Who's the uh, black guy? Bruce Willis. And he, he's white in the comics. Mm-hmm. They're both white. If there was two guys, he's white. I don't know. I'm, I'm, saying if, it, I'm just saying, if they made a movie, who would the other guy be? Samuel Jackson. <laughs> While we're on the topic of comics, superheroes don't count as sci-fi movies, right? Like that's already we didn't we never said that, but superheroes. Well, I think so. I mean, because I guess they have their own genre, but I mean, if you think about, it, I guess technically Superman is kind of sci-fi. Yeah, but, so is Iron but, Man. He built a robot suit. But that's, let's, yeah, that's superhero okay. movies. Uh, too, we're too late. <laughs> Let me add like fifty to this list. Don't. Okay. So Men in Black. The first one is way funnier. The other two are basically lighthearted action films. But this first one, it's like half comedy, then becomes half action movie. But I like the comedy part more. I like mm-hmm. him taking that test and he drags the table. And it's real loud. <laughs> That's a good classic. But I don't think Men in Black is quite the caliber of some of these other films as much as I enjoy it. So um, we can move it on. Okay. Uh, so the next one up is Metropolis. Has anyone else seen this movie? Parts nope. of it. Never finished it. It's too long. <laughs> Can't well, watch a silent film that's that long. Silent film has to be like 60 minutes. What version did you see? I saw the original. I, I I was afraid to watch the Georgia or whatever Marauder cut because it has all the weird trippy like synth music and stuff. 
Yeah, I watched the newest version where they edited in like this uh, longer cut that was found, like this reel of. They they found lost footage in like South America. Like, yeah, well, recently and it looks crappy because it's a sixteen millimeter print. Um, Isn't that like supposedly originally the way the movie was though? And then it got censored and shortened down, and that's the version that lived on. And now they're just yeah, the longer it. One, the longer one is the more accurate one. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like I would have enjoyed the shorter version just because, yeah, it's hard to watch a silent film that's two and a half hours long. But even so, I mean, it's it's definitely one of the more influential sci-fi films ever made. I mean, it's kind of the first where you have, like, I don't know, they were able to put on film what the future looks like, basically, this uh, dark, dreary place where you know people are kind of slaves to the machine and it's just got this great you know art direction and uh set construction and everything and it's just one of those films where it's like wow this director (laughs) was out of his mind to create something that was so uh had such a huge vision of this world that we'd never really seen on film It's just so ahead of its time, like 1927. That's amazing. Like, it's hard for me to think that people back then could even, like, think about robots, like, existing and stuff. They didn't even put sound into movies yet. (laughs) He's trying to make this huge, epic (laughs) vision of the future. Like, it's crazy. Like, if that's just, it's just so unbelievably ambitious. Yeah. And and, and it excels in a pretty amazing way, you know, visually in a a lot of parts. I haven't, I haven't seen all of it. Though. Again. I've, I've seen it kind of in parts yeah. in like film classes and then online. It's lots of different ways to see it. I, I, I assume the restored uh, like 148 minutes something cut is how you should see it. Uh, though there also is the Giorgio Moroder cut. It's about 80 minutes, but it's got like 80s synth soundtrack. And mm. doesn't it have like Freddie Mercury and like Adam <laughs> and stuff? It's got like 80s artists. Like, that's got pretty. I think it does. It's got like pop music in it. That sounds pretty weird. But uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's some people. I can imagine our friend AJ would be someone who'd defend that because he just loves the 80s so much. So if you're really into the 80s, I guess you can check out that one. Uh, very influential. But uh, I don't really you know. I haven't, yeah, I haven't I, even I just, seen the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it needs to make the list. I mean, it's, it's definitely not, it's, worth discussion. It's I just felt like yeah, it's worth bringing up because it's so influential and such an impressive film. But it's not even like one of my favorite sci-fi films. It's just the first landmark sci-fi. Film. I mean, yeah, you should. I'm well, sure you people. A trip to the moon. Okay. <laughs> if you want to go back even farther. Yeah, yeah space true. travel. I mean, sure. When they went on to the moon, they didn't have any space helmets or anything. They just log around. But yeah. still, that's pretty amazing. That that was that they did that. Yeah. So, I saw the weird seat once where like robot just turned to a lady and I saw some cool like street shots and I saw a scene where I think it was the same ladies like dancing for some some men at like a theater. Mhm. That's all seemed pretty cool. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> for this and more, check out Metropolis, available now on Netflix, DVD and Blu-ray. See some lady dancing for some men. <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> That's great. All right, let's move on to the planet of the apes.
Or is it just Planet of the Apes? It's just Planet of the Apes. I looked it up. Planet of the Apes, based off of the Pierre Boulet book. And uh, just, I don't know, real cool effects. I mean, well, I guess the makeup was pretty pretty landmark. Having people like apes in this future society where apes rule. It's kind of an interesting concept where, you know, they're ahead of us and humans are like they're slaves. Like, that's a pretty cool idea. And, of course, the movie version, Rod Serling of The Twilight Zone, co-wrote the screenplay. And he came up with the iconic ending, which even Pierre Boulet said, like, I wish I thought of that. Because the book doesn't end that way. I don't know how the book ends, but I know it doesn't have the iconic ending. And that kind of ties it all together. Because it, it has the sci-fi, you know, they're in the ship and they're traveling in the future. I, will, I, don't, know it, if, I don't know if that was their intention, though. That was kind of like a... What, did, did the book have the same kind of ending, just not that, that visual? Yeah, I, I believe it did kind of have the same kind of thing where they come to the conclusion that, oh my god, I mean, your spoiler alert, I mean, this movie's coming out, came out a long time ago, <laughs> but Planet of the Apes is not some planet, you know, where just apes and humans, you know, grew up, it's, uh, it is Earth. And oh, humans. shit, did you just do that? Go on. I'll, I'll bleep that out. <laughs> yes. just, I said spoiler alert. Or they discovered no that it's a post-apocalyptic no. Earth. <laughs> so wait, if it's Earth, why are people dumb and monkeys smart? Well, I don't know. This is just how it all started up again. What do you mean? It's on. It's on Earth. Well, I don't understand the confusion. I mean, I don't understand how that I happened. thought the ending was they shot the Statue of Liberty into space and it crashed on the planet just like their spaceship. Are you serious? No, it's Earth in the future. <laughs> I can't tell. Oh, Why is it, they, they find the remnants. They find the old doll of past society. Yeah, they shot that shit in there too. Shooting everything. <laughs> <laughs> so they shot evidence of Earth onto another planet. Yeah. That's that way. So when he says like, they, we got they, dibs on that planet, when he says they blew it up, what you mean is they blew up the Statue of Liberty to another planet? <laughs> they blew up whatever spaceship the Statue of Liberty was on. You know, like in Spaceballs. Right. <laughs> um, but I think, in terms of sci-fi, uh, I mean, it. I, 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 this may be another one. I feel like may not be as clear cut. For some people, because it, it's real—it's like primitive, basically. It's like in the past, almost something else. But it's in the future. It's in the future. It's kind of hard to explain, I suppose. I mean, I like it. That was all bad. I think it's very intelligent, it's very well written. I mean, that it could have been so stupid with like that Planet of the Apes with ape men everywhere. I was looking it's- through a photo gallery the other day of. Like all the just like behind the scenes, just the, everyone hanging out in their ape costumes, <laughs> like smoking cigarettes and kind of you know landmark makeup. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I don't even know if it's the best from that year. Two thousand one's uh, apes probably look better, but I feel like there's um, there's a like controversy back then. People thought that they used real apes. So it's like, oh, those were real ones though, but they weren't. Those were also guys in costumes though. That may have not even been the best man in ape costume movie that year. Still very good one. Great performances. It kind of uh, launched Charlton Heston into this weird sci-fi career. I mean, he was in all these biblical films, and now he's like in Planet of the Apes and Omega Man and Soylent Green. 
And he really shined in those because he just was so like over the top emotional and mad. This is, I mean, he's made a lot of films, but I think this is probably his, in my opinion, his best performance. I don't know, man. I kind of prefer Silent Green to this movie. I lo- I'm a big Silent Green fan, but uh, I mean, I think the acting and the, I, I think this is a smarter film. Seeing that, I'm not hearing a lot of other comments. I, I'm, a, I'm assuming this one won't make it, but I think I think we all like it, right? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's pretty it's good. Not crazy about it. Okay. Moving on. Oh, great, great film, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. So, Star Trek was three seasons got canceled. Put out a movie, kind of sucked. They're totally like, sucked. They were like, "Oh my god, we got we got to fix this shit." And so they went on and made one of the God, just the best movies. Uh, it's, it's not that. Good. <laughs> it's like it's like a it's like a good episode of Star Trek. Oh, so well, can you explain to us why you feel that? It's everything I'm looking for in Star Trek goes on in this movie. They've got, you know, the, the introduction where they're dealing with growing old, interesting human issues, and then sweet battle tactics in their first encounter with Khan. And, you know, and then the iconic moment when he's stranded on the planet and all sweet future technology. It's, it's just a hell of an adventure. Uh, it's so easy with Star Trek for them to get sidetracked with diplomacy and just talking about shit. Rathacom moves, man. People get bugs put in their ear. Plants get blown up. Everything. It's awesome. I don't want to spoil it for Nancy. It's so good. Mm -hmm. They even... I don't want to say it because it's a spoiler, but a major character meets... An unfortunate fate. <laughs> Try to be as vague as possible. <laughs> Spark dies. Ah, uh, you, uh, you knew. That's yeah. a pretty, a beautiful scene too. Just the emotion in there, and and how well the dialogue in that scene is written. I just love it that that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, and like you know, you are also my friend, and I was just all that. It's yeah, real. That's, that's the running theme of the whole movie. Is mm-hmm. uh, Cam Kirk has never had to face the unwinnable situation, and so. <laughs> Uh, he's finally confronted with that at the end. It's, it's, God, it's hella good. Makes me want to cry just thinking about it. I think my only problem with Wrath of Khan was I was always disappointed that they're all like fat and old and stuff. Like, I never bought that these guys are still flying around in this ship and they're all fat and old. And like, Scotty is like obese. He like, can't even reach the control panel. Come on, reach the control panel. They're all retired. <laughs> Uh, I just I, I thought I found it was like a stretch for me to believe that these guys are doing anything. I don't know. I mean, they're that's, all retired. That's, that's a, I'm I'm not saying it's a big complaint. It just I was always disappointed. It's like, man, why couldn't they still be young or something? I mean, that's that's not, that's not their fault. No. Get the reach of the control. It's pretty good. I like it. I just don't love it. I mean, I think it's pretty solid, but I never thought it was like so good. It's fine. It just works better than any of the other Star Trek. I mean, Star Trek Four is also really good, uh, but this has, you know, Ricardo Montalban is is the best Star Trek villain they ever had. Uh, sorry, Christopher Lloyd, 
But you suck in that movie. <laughs> Which Star- one is this? That's Star Trek 3. That's 3. Okay. That's what I do. I remember that. <laughs> I feel like you're you're kind of biased towards this one, maybe, just because you're such a big Star Trek fan, and it is the best Star Trek movie, I'd say. But yeah, I think it's it's really solid sci-fi film. I'm just <laughs> not in love with it. It's just got to be on the list, guys. It doesn't have to be that high. It's got to be on the list. Guys. Maybe. Sean's overwhelming. Sure. I mean, it's good. Yeah. I'm just not crazy about it. I mean, how can you talk about sci-fi without talking about Star Trek? It's well, the, it's show the one future, really, on our whole list where you're like, yeah, that's a future I'd like to live in. Because that's, uh, you know, racism's over. Uh, nationalism's over. Everyone's just working together for the greater good. It's awesome. Yeah. But, we got replicators. We can turn mass into food. <laughs> sure. All right. Now, yeah. uh, next one up is a little movie called Star Wars: A New Hope. So this little farm boy uh, gets these new droids, and they're they really misbehave. So he has to go catch it. Just the one. The other one just hangs out. And uh, he follows the droid, and he meets. He gets ambushed by uh, sand people. And uh, this old man tells him about his dad being a space pilot, and he's like, "Okay." But <laughs> I, I was... <laughs> how takes... much detail are you gonna go into? He just well. explained the whole movie right here on the spot. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sad you guys interrupted me. Well, I liked where that was going. <laughs> like, okay, that's crucial to that. Yeah, I appreciate you going into depth. But he does take it pretty well. you got to admit, he's like, my father, eh? And he's he's not that shocked that his whole life was a lie. You know, sweet intergalactic warfare. And it it just it just captured the imagination of a generation. And, and it still does. Like, it's crazy to think that like, I was born, what, like, I don't know, 13-something years or, or whatever after – no, twelve, I guess, twelve years after it came out, and I feel like I grew up with it. It it, it still lives on because it's that good, and it's that it's that movie magic. It's timeless, and then think of all the sweet sci-fi stuff that came from it: lightsabers and sweet battle cruisers and droids and the Death Star. Like so much, so much that they had those like nerdy books that just had all sorts of like Star Wars tech in them. And of course, you could say it all works because it's also really not that sci-fi. I mean, they have lightsabers, but that basically so the movie can justify having sword fights in yeah. in this in space. Well, I think that's kind of what makes it such a great sci-fi movie. Is it it takes science to these new bounds. There's whole shows on like Discovery Channel about Star Wars science and like, can we ever make some of this stuff? Can we ever make lightsabers or a suit that'll keep someone alive, like Darth Vader's? Like, there's just so much in there that it's really imaginative. I mean, of course they're they're pretty off the wall, but I think that's what that's what makes it so great is that they they took science and they made it fantasy because that's kind of what sci-fi is. A lot of Star Wars comes down to I have to use magic called the Force, but I'm fine with it being on this list because of course it's a sci-fi movie. I mean, come on, what are you talking about? I mean, to me, I like it. I like the fact that they take. Like, this could be a medieval movie. It's got knights and, you know, kings and queens and all that kind of stuff and sword fighting, you know. But, oh, it's in the 
it's in well, the past, but you know, yeah. you know what I mean. That's another like, thing. It's in the past, <laughs> it's super space and it's fucking awesome. I, we don't think it's gonna be on the list. I think so. There's really, there's not know, much more we need to. Well, we need to hear the rest of the plot from Sean. <laughs> Go on. Well, let's, let's let's move on to the next uh, <laughs> the next entry on our list. Just Terminator Two Judgment Day. I'm with you. Way better than Terminator One. I think so. Yeah. I think it's I better, think... but I love Terminator One now that I finally saw it. It's, yeah. it's good. It's good. Give me your clothes. Well, I think just Terminator Two has so much more emotional value. Like you really feel like the fact that you feel this for a machine. That's really interesting. And it's really interesting that they could have just made a whole series about, oh, the killer robot's back, back. But to take your villain of the first movie and now make him your good guy. Yeah. Like, that blows my mind. That's pretty cool. And then he's fighting, and he's this big, ripped dude, and he's fighting this skinny, like, weird-looking guy who dresses like a cop who's made of liquid metal. Like Alex Mack. (laughs) (laughs) Was that metal? Did she turn to metal? I don't know what she does. Some sort of bad special effect water. I don't know. It's like the Capri Sun commercial. (laughs) That weird goop. Enough about obscure 90s references. (laughs) But yeah, this is just a a trailblazer in effects. I mean, how it looks. And just the concepts of a liquid metal robot. Like that's Who would have ever thought of that? A robot that's so futuristic that it can change like just the substance it's made out of. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, ah, that is so crazy. And, of course, it's got all the sweet future conspiracy stuff and how the world's going to end. I mean, it's called Judgment Day. And there's that scene where Sarah Connor's having the dream, and she's on the fence, and she's, like, screaming at those kids on the playground. And then a lot of fire comes and, like, destroys fire. everything, and she's, like, a skeleton. Huh? Yeah, I know what you're saying. That is so cool. <laughs> this is, oh, man, if they were doing action movies, this is the one that's just so amazing. Yeah. James Cameron, he just he knows action so well, but the sci-fi aspect is very very cool, and I think I, I guess the big part of that is because the effects are so well done. Remember, he takes the skin off his arm and he shows off his metal robot arm. Gross. <laughs> That's gross so is when he plucks cool. his eye and turns into one though. I don't but like it, eye stuff. I, I think <laughs> my favorite sci-fi movies will always be the ones that. It's futuristic and, you know, maybe action-packed as they may be. There's a human story there, and I have some sort of emotional response to this. Because I remember, like, crying at the end of Terminator 2 <laughs> when Arnold, he puts his thumb up and he's going down to the molten lava stuff at the steel factory. I'm like, this is so sad. <laughs> like, I wish I had an Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and what's don't, also cool don't we is, all? I keep talking about how you know, this Mine is a great action movie, Freeze. but he doesn't even kill people. Like, that's interesting that they, the main character made it, I'm going to make it so you don't kill people. Like, there's something about that that I find real interesting, that they decided to take it in that way. Well, it makes him a little bit more lovable. Yeah. That he's not murdering. Yeah. <laughs> that would, I think that would lose the... Uh... Murder him! Go get him, Terminator! <laughs> it would kind of lose the effect of that relationship. It's about a little kid telling his machine to kill people. <laughs> He didn't need yeah, to tell him. Machine killed on its own. That's <laughs> true, but he stopped him. Taught him the ways of peace. Yeah, this was the first DVD I ever got. 
So yeah, that's way cooler than Titan AE. Yeah, right. That should be on the list. I already showed Joss Whedon enough love. Yeah, T2 has pretty much everything you're looking for with sci-fi. Sweet time travel, game. robots, explosions, metal. <laughs> Listworthy? Yes. I think so. Cool. How about the thing? Gotta get, gotta get some Kurt Russell on a sci-fi list, right? Gotta He's got a lot of sci-fi movies, I guess. Gotta get a little Kurt Russell in there. He did, he did Stargate and Escape from New York and stuff like that, so... Who, did you put this on here, Sean? I did, I think. If you didn't... Well, I did not. Must have been but me. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad because I love it to death. It's one of, it's one of just my favorite movies in general. Um... I think mostly just because of the atmosphere. This, this, these ice guys, this isolated station out, you know, wherever it was, the Arctic, and and then there's this kind of they discover this alien life form, and they find it. It can like look like any, you know, anybody. So then you know who's who, you know, it's a it's, it's a who who's the monster. And I love that kind of that feeling of uh, suspicion and paranoia that it creates. It's really really creepy. It's kind of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but amped up, basically. And this is a dog monster pile thing. There was the thing from another world, which is the same thing. But technically, uh, both of these movies came from a a short story called Who Goes There? And I've read the short story. And it's actually John Carpenter's version, which is much more faithful to that story. Um, The thing from another world is the the Howard Hawks, the the original one. that's, That's a pretty solid one, too. Yet the monster isn't half as cool, you know. In that one, it's James Arness, and he's a ve- giant vegetable man, apparently. And this one, I just I like how the alien—he doesn't really have a look. He's sh- he's like shapeless. He gets inside of you and changes you. Like that's your threat, and you don't know who is the threat. And I love the ending of this movie and how ambiguous it is, and how nerds on the internet have discussed it for years. And right, years. we're here like, again. We, you guys know where I stand on this issue. Come on, someone else, take a stand. There's, there's all sorts of. I mean, I like to think. What do I like to think? I don't even know. I don't even care. I love the fact <laughs> that I have no idea. What, what, what do you think, Sean? Keith David is the alien. Yeah, and I feel like probably the most compelling argument I've heard. I'd have to check this again to see if it's right. But apparently people say Kurt Russell filled like most of the alcohol up with like gasoline or something. Mm-hmm. So he can blow shit up. And at the end he like offers Keith David a drink. So people say that's a test, but I've never been sure about that theory. Cause I've never uh, been that. I, I've never been that sure that he did do that where he's filling up all the stuff with gasoline or it's an interesting theory. I seem to recall John Carpenter saying that there is no answer. It's yeah. up to you. So no one's wrong. No one's right. It's a it's hell good. of an ending. It's hell of an ending. I mean, even in the best case scenario, they're just two guys who are going to sit there and freeze to death. That's the yeah. best case scenario. <laughs> because the thing, it, it wants to get frozen again, and it'll just come back. I mean, it's pretty hard to kill. Did you see uh, the uh, the prequel or whatever that came out last year? The uh, prequel, which for some reason had the same title. Yeah, I did see it. It wasn't that good. There was like 50 characters. I didn't know who any of them were. <laughs> And I, I hated that because I love how the thing starts with, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who these guys are. It's ambiguous. And then it ends on the note, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, it's just this big mystery. And that's what's great is what you don't know. And that's what makes it kind of scary. 
Uh, this one's probably plays up the horror aspect way more than it plays up the sci- sci-fi aspect. It is an alien, but yeah, it's got a lot in common with Alien if you think about it. I mean, people strapped, uh, trapped in a place with uh, with this one alien that's out to get them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, in Alien, they're in outer space. It's it's an easier sell. Yeah, there's like spacesuits and robots and stuff. Uh, robots. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. Androids. Androids. Uh, I mean, I love the thing, but I don't expect it to make this list. Just yeah, to... that's my concern. <laughs> There's a lot on this list still. And... Yeah, we got 14, including this. So. Yeah, so. But it's, it's pretty good. Pretty good. So want to give it the bump, though? The bump. Sweet music, too. Any more Coney. Yeah, that's right. Dum, dum. Dum, dum. Ugh, scares me just thinking about it. So how about Wally? Eva. Uh, probably the probably my uh, no, it's not my favorite Pixar movie. Uh, but maybe my favorite non-Toy Story Pixar movie. Uh, it's Wally's probably most remarkable because the first twenty minutes or so have no dialogue in it. And that's probably the best part of the whole movie, the, the very beginning. Um, it's about a robot that's it's it's in the future, and humans have so polluted the planet that they had to leave. And this robot has been is the last one still cleaning up the planet for humans to return. And uh, then another one shows up, and he falls in love, and turn the the adventure begins there. Uh, I just like an optimistic dystopia, you know. How often mm-hmm. do you get that in a movie where humans turn to fat piles of crap that can't even stand up on their own, basically, and just zoom through their Walmarts, or their Mart carts? <laughs> but they're all, you know, they're good people at the end of the day, and then they're able to rebuild at the end. And I like that. I like, and it's a sweet love story, and it's one of the most beautiful movies Pixar has ever made. I think. Uh, I mean, when you think about like the dance in space. It's it's pretty beautiful animation that they're they're pulling off, and I think Wally is probably now one of the most iconic robots in film. I mean, right up there with R two D two, at least for me. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing to see that kind of sophistication in a movie that's essentially an you know an animated kind of kids movie. But at the same time, I feel like anyone can enjoy it. It is very simple, and yet they kind of sneak in these other. Complex things into it. Yeah. There's these complex kind of themes and almost dark, almost kind of sad, scary kind of overtones. How they destroyed the planet, and everything. Yet, you know, kids can look past that and they can see all the kind of the whimsy and the romance. And maybe you know, the adults can kind of appreciate. I don't know some of the more kind of dramatic undertones going on there. Mm-hmm. It's really just well thought out, layered uh, story. It's always nice to see just an original sci-fi story in this day and age when there's been so many, you know, so many different kinds of movies in sci-fi that have been done to death. And you have something fresh and original. And Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great movie. Is it in my top ten? I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's, that's my concern. Prob- probably not. Uh, just- especially because most of the movies on this list for me are... Like have been out for a long time, and I kind of grew up with them, and and I've always loved them. And Wally's still pretty new to me. I've only seen it twice. Yeah, 
I mean, it helps if you've spent more time with the movie and see how you've kind of gone with it. I mean, of course, not going to be a time in my life where like, I don't like Wally anymore. <laughs> They're stupid babies. <laughs> but it, it doesn't quite... Babies. <laughs> doesn't quite mean as much to me as some of these other films just because I haven't I haven't had the time with it you know I've seen it a couple times but it, give it a f- maybe a, even a few more years maybe see where that takes where it goes okay yeah close it off or is yeah it I'm fine giving it the bump alright we gotta clear some space anyway but before we do that please justify mm-hmm. yes man to me okay why so what's is, next why is yes man we, on this we really list? have to talk about yes man <laughs> yes man is on the list Therefore, it warrants discussion. What what makes it a sci-fi movie? I don't know. You tell me, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you sure it, like doing that to me, don't you? The it's <laughs> we don't have time for this. He decides to you say don't. yes to things instead of no. Yeah, he's biologically because he's being reprogrammed. I get it. Okay, Chug <laughs> <laughs> gets it. I'm glad someone got Colin's joke. Hey, hey. It wasn't my joke. Wait, what? Who put Yes Man on the list? Nancy did, but he's trying to make it look like he's trying to frame me. It's it's up to the audience to decide <laughs> on the forums. Yes. I'm not starting a forum for this. This would be that'd be too sad. Okay, cutting time. Uh how about children of men? Give that the old hack job. Uh, yeah, that's fine. That one's pretty new, too, I guess. What the yeah. frick? You gotta get new movies off this list. Yeah, fuck that. I can't edit this list for some reason. Oh, uh, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> John, you back? Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, so we cut Children of Men. Uh, what else do you want to cut? What else? Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> God, I didn't know you're such a hater, Colin. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. It's just the one I would have said next. I'm like, yeah, I didn't have to say that. And a clockwork orange. I feel like we had virtually nothing to say about it. it was, we all appreciate it, but. Yeah. Huh. Is that 11? That's what you get when you make your movie about. Bad times. Mm. I thought you said we cut Children of Men. Oh, yes. We did. Okay, so we got ten, right? Yeah, now we got ten. Uh, Now the tricky part. Yes, this is going to be tough let's try not to leave too many large spaces of dead noise <laughs> so uh what Rathacon is 10 right because i'm i love it too much apparently no not necessarily we um, i oh. we could do i like wrath no i like the matrix more than Rathacon personally i feel like more people probably like that more than matrix yeah but... i might like the Rathacon more than the matrix I, I like Rathacon more than The Matrix. We could put The Matrix at 10, then. I'd also put, just because I haven't seen it in a long time, I'd put Brazil on the lower end yeah. somewhere. I don't think that needs to be that high, either. I, I like Rathacon more than Brazil. 
too far. Too far. <laughs> yes. So maybe ma- the Matrix at ten. Uh, Rathacon at nine. Then Brazil, I guess. Is that okay? Well, I think. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if I saw watch Brazil right now, I'd probably like it better than Rathacon because I feel like I do. Okay. I feel like I like most of these movies less than Rathacon. That's okay. Um, how do you guys feel about Day of the Earth Stood Still? I mean, have you, have Colin and Matt, have you seen that movie? Nope. Yeah, I've seen it. You've seen it? You like it? I like it. I like, I like it more than Terminator. You like it more than Terminator 2? Um, I, well, I just said I, but now I don't know. You <laughs> <laughs> just questioned But you reminded me that this is, this is Terminator 2. <laughs> Yeah, I guess not. I guess a day there says still would probably come in at seven. All right, okay which is that. You know, it's tough, but this is the top ten. This is good. This is good stuff. It's pretty good. Uh, the only other one on here that I feel like got kind of a lukewarm reception, besides T two, because T two, it's like okay, it's an action movie. It's not, uh, uh, you know, a defining film in the genre. Maybe, yeah. maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, was uh, Blade Runner? Because Matt, you said you. Didn't really enjoy it that much the first time. Yeah, but I feel like like Colin really likes it. I do. Yeah, and I, really I don't like hate it. I just like I feel like I had a a bad experience. Like honestly, even the first time I saw it, I wasn't that into it. Yeah, like, I thought it was all right. Like I feel like I and need I feel to watch like that's an uh, an experience a lot of people have had with that movie. Because yeah. I mean, you do look at the fact that when it first opened, it critically didn't do that well. But then when the director's cut came out, people were like, "Oh, this is." a masterpiece, you know? So I don't know. Maybe it's a film that needs to be seen more than once. More than one way. Well, well regarding the list, I'd probably go with uh, Terminator next. Okay, I'm fine with that. All right. Now I, I want to decide if I, what, if, if I like E.T. more than Alien. You don't. <laughs> well, the thing is, I, I, like, I like E.T. more, but I like... Which one is more representative of being a good sci-fi film? Uh, I like Alien more. I like Alien more. Yeah, I think I do too. Really? Like, uh, not even as just as a movie in general? Yeah. That's uh, fucked up. It's a little tougher for me. I like E.T. quite a bit. I think it's one of Spielberg's best, definitely. I mean, E.T. is one of my top you 10 think it's one of Spielberg's of best time. without having seen Schindler's yeah, List. Yeah, you gotta throw that at me. But uh I guess I guess in terms of the list, Alien is more appropriate, so Alien would be higher than E. T. So E. T. and then and then Alien. Okay. And then Blade Runner? Yeah. Alright. That's cool. Wasn't sure if Blade Runner would be that high. Uh, so, which way are we going on this? Are we going the easy way or the hard way? Well, I'm going to say Star Wars. Nancy, are you going to say Star Wars? I'm going to say Star Wars. All right, we've got Team Star Wars here. <laughs> you guys are 2001, right? Yeah. But I know where you're coming 2001. from. I, Star Wars has been my whole life, man. I I get it. That's kind of That's kind of my thing. Is just because of how important it is. Like, it may be one of the most important films of my life of all time, just like how important it was to my youth and growing up with it. And just the entertainment value and how many times I can rewatch it and how many times I've seen it. 
Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Star Wars has had more impact on my life than any other movie. Even more than Wrath of Khan, somehow. <laughs> I mean, 2001 is definitely more unique. There's really nothing like it. it. Even, you know, Star Wars is just like a bunch of samurai films all thrown together. I mean, it's pretty unique and amazing in its own right. Um, but yeah, I just Star Wars is just the one that I, I keep coming back to in my life. Like, if I just had to go in the, the terms of just films I like the best on this list, you know, it's my favorite film on this list. It's as simple as that for me. Plus... 2001 happened and it wasn't anything like the movie. Yeah. Pretty pissed sure. about that. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to get over that. All we got out of 2001 was basically our lives being ruined by terrorism. Thanks a lot, Osama. Bastard. Dead. Could Osama be like how? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, that'd be a really dumb paper to write. So, Colin. I really, I'm, I'm, yeah, 2001 is really good, but I think it's got to be yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, I honestly don't think there are many films that kind of transcend cinema to being a really just unique work of art that can be taken apart in so many different places and interpreted as many ways. But yeah, Star Wars, real fun, real entertaining. It's influenced <laughs> our lives in and so I, many ways. I, like, yeah. And I know this is just our opinions, but I feel like it's accessible to so many, such a wider audience. Like, I feel like there's so many people that just don't, like, really appreciate Tesla and One Space Odyssey. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it is kind of a tough film like that. Yeah, and but those people want... 30, like, 30-minute 30 scenes of weird flashing colors doesn't help. Like, even I could have done without that. But I still love it. Pretty sure it's not thirty minutes. Yeah, but can't, it doesn't feel like thirty minutes. It's thirty minutes it's, in my mind. It's probably like five minutes. <laughs> Whatever. I feel you guys. I'm you not know, gonna fight for it. It's, just, it's freaking Star it's Wars. Star Wars, man. It's already been number one on one of our lists. It'll probably be number Should one we, on many more. I don't know how Star Wars could not be number one. <laughs> Should we one make Star days. Wars ineligible for future lists? No, no. It's gotta. I want it. I love talking about Star Wars. <laughs> We'll see, but it seems. Uh, yeah, I guess that, <laughs> one day we'll we'll put together a best of top ten Star Wars mentions on um, discussions. Discussions. <laughs> uh, I guess that's all for uh, uh, off the air conversation. So uh, I guess here's the uh, the awards ceremony. Our top ten sci-fi movies. Number ten, The Matrix. Number nine, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Number eight, Brazil. Number seven, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Number six, T2, Judgment Day. Five, E.T. Number four, Alien. Three, Blade Runner. Number two, 2001, A Space Odyssey. And number one, our favorite sci-fi movie of all time, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Well, we made it, gentlemen. It's been a hell of a ride. And if you want the ride to keep on going, you can head over to mildlypleased.com. Until next time, which will be next week. We're not taking a week off. We've been uh, Top 10 Thursdays. I'll see you. Bye, everybody.